Vaporwave News Network, Episode 9. Hello and welcome to Vaporwave News Network, a bi-weekly podcast about the contemporary vaporwave scene. We feature news, discussion, and current trends, as well as reporting on upcoming releases and events in the vaporwave, future funk, and adjacent communities. I'm your host, Alex, aka Trucks Passing Trucks. I run Pacific Plaza Records in addition to DJing and booking events over my past six years of being involved in the vaporwave community. Welcome to Vaporwave News Network. It's episode nine, covering the second half of August 2023 in the wake of the Vaporwave weekend in New York City for Electronicon 2023. I'm going to talk about some stuff happening in our vapor world as well as September's Bandcamp Friday. But before we get to that, let me remind you that you can follow the podcast on social media at VW News Network. We're currently on Instagram and Twitter. We've also started a TikTok account, so please follow us and comment on the post to help drive that engagement. We also have two curated playlists on Spotify that you can check out, Contemporary Vaporwave and Fresh Future Funk. Also, quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast or follow us on your platform of choice. If you're checking this out on YouTube, remember to like and subscribe. And if you can leave a rating on your streaming platform of choice, please do that as well. If you're listening on Spotify mobile, you can scroll down below the description and interact with our polls and Q&A. So let me know what you think down there. I like reading people's responses. I haven't gotten too many, but I'm sure I'll be getting more if I keep mentioning it. So check that out. Remember, you can straight up donate to the podcast on our website. It'll take you to PayPal. And I am hoping to figure out some sort of a subscription thing later in the year. And I got some great advice from people in New York. And I'm going to keep building this platform till the time is right. And in the meantime, I've been kind of looking at a platform called Ghost, which is open source and allows for kind of like a cool website with free content to be part of the whole shebang. So if you know anyone that's used Ghost or uses it currently and has some feedback, hit me up. It looks pretty cool and pretty kind of modular. And I could set up a free and kind of paywall area, have different tiers. And it doesn't take as much money as Patreon. And it doesn't lock me into that same sort of monopoly they have on subscription models for creators or whatever. So kind of looking to break out of that a little bit. As a reminder, currently only two or three small donations a month through the PayPal link on our website will help pay for hosting. So if you feel inclined to sacrifice the cost of a coffee, please check it out. With all that out of the way, what's been going on with me? There was the Electronicon weekend, obviously, and then Bandcamp Friday where we did the Luxury Elite release on Pacific Plaza. Ooh, that was a bit of a tongue twister to say, but we sold out of the tapes super fast and I shipped all the tapes out as quick as I could before I head off to Ohio for a wedding this weekend. So I'm so glad I got all that finished. Anyways, I'm not going to go into detail about Electronicon since I'm going to talk about the story of my weekend and the main topic, but what have I been listening to? And I'm going to add a little bit this month about what I've been watching. You know, I don't like watch TV or regular shows, but I do watch a lot of stuff on YouTube. So I figured I'd shout out a non-vaporwave channel that was on my mind a lot this week when I was in New York City. When I was in New York City, though, I was mostly listening to my city pop, J-funk, and Japanese disco bangers playlist. So it's like mostly up-tempo songs that are like great for grooving and were great for keeping up that strong walking pace on the mean streets of the Big Apple. You could check it out on my Spotify profile along with our other curated playlists. 
And shouts out to the Face Records DJs who were DJing during day one of Electronicon for playing a ton of songs that I love in between acts. And I think most of the songs they played are actually on that playlist. So if you want to see what they were kind of playing, go check it out. Anyhow, the YouTube channel I'm going to shout out here is called City Nerd, who talks about urban planning, cities, and transportation. And getting to be in like a big city and navigate the car-free life for just like a short time really like put some of his videos in perspective for someone like me that lives in like one of the most car-centric places in the USA. I mean, besides like Texas. So if you like those kind of topics about urbanism and transportation and stuff, or you want to learn about like different cities and regions in the US, you should check out the channel. Wrapping it up here, I'm excited to get back to DJing, and I've been exploring Barber Beats for an upcoming set that I'm doing at the Analog LA event at Art Bar on September 22nd. And then I'm also going to be in San Diego at Sweat.biz on September 17th, throwing down a little bit of future funk. And also, shouts out to everyone who talked to me about the podcast in New York City. I'm going to say it again later, uh, but I truly appreciate it. So thank you so much. Enough about what I've been doing. What's been happening in the vaporwave scene the past couple weeks? Well, we obviously had the Vaporwave Weekend in New York, as well as Bandcamp Friday. So I'm going to skip over IRL shows since that's kind of what the main topic is about. But let's shout out a couple URL things. We had The Rising Tide, which was hosted by Le Quaintance, formerly known as Holloway Tapes. It was a two-day streaming event on August 25th and 6th, with all donations going to the Trevor Project that happened over on Twitch. It was sort of like a follow-up to their Leaf House events they did during the pandemic. And it was a community showcase of 50 artists from various parts of the scene. Hopefully it's going to be archived somewhere. I couldn't really watch the Twitch VOD when I was writing up my episode outline, but I do imagine the artists will upload their sets individually as well. Luxury Aesthetics Online with DJ Non had a new episode that you can go check out on their YouTube channel. And Luxury Elite also hosted a Neon Nights episode that's the second part of her Vaporwave A to Z and More series. There are now two episodes up, one featuring the letters A through Q I mentioned last time, and the more recent one features Q through Z and like symbols, numbers, and like non-English characters. Over on Twitch, 3D Blast did a recap of Econ, even though he wasn't there, but he did have the usual funny net suspects for a little reunion on the channel. I guess it was unintentional, but it was, of course, quite entertaining, and they went on for a couple hours. They watched a few sets, they reviewed some viewer-submitted photos, and they just chatted about the weekend. So you can go watch the VOD up on the 3D underscore Blast Twitch channel. And if you want to watch some more sets from Electronicon and Slushy Fest, you should check out the Vapertorian channel on YouTube. He's got some great angles on some of these sets. One of them, the St. Pepsi set, you could see me crowd surf. I was not the person who failed on the crowd dive, but I did have the successful crowd surf. And you can also see sets from Summer Slushy Fest, which is super rad. He was right in the front for like the Discoholic set. Plus on top of that, he's a super nice dude. It was awesome to meet you again out in New York, amigo. Shouts out to you. Continuing on here, on the podcast and radio front, we had Future Sounds UK dropping an episode just before Econ that featured the owner of Pure Life. It was quite an interesting interview with a bit of contention around Vaporwave, but ultimately like a fascinating look at the depth behind the label's work, concept, and their live shows. And they also did a little exclusive announcement of a five-year anniversary show they're having in London this coming fall. I'm not going to reveal all the info on it. You're going to have to go listen to it. There was also some cool insight into working with a creative partner or like a label partner that's from a country that's currently at war. And for the owner of Pure Life, his partner in crime is CMD94, who's made lots of music, lots of art and visual stuff. And he's also his musical partner in the 
Kuroi Ame project. So pretty cool to hear that interview and to find out a little bit more about like dream punk and what's kind of going on in that scene. Also, a little teaser, I'm going to be on the Future Sounds Econ Weekend Recap. So if you want to hear a little bit more about my Vaporwave Weekend in New York City and me meeting the guys from Future Sounds in person, you will be able to hear that. And it actually might be up by now, but if it's not, just definitely check out their podcast and listen to both of those episodes. Night Clerk Radio did an episode discussing some albums on Villain, specifically touching on The Curse of Colonialism by Modest by Default, and an album by Password that is listed under the catalog number ETV003. It's a cool little label dive, and it seems like they're going to do a couple more of those about different labels, so I look forward to those episodes. Utopia District did an Electronicon weekend group discussion with some of their volunteers over on their podcast, and they got that episode up right quick, and it is already live. You can go listen to it and hear a bunch of different perspectives from different people who are new to the scene, who've been around for a while, folks who've gone to a couple Electronicons. It's great. It's a very interesting variety of perspectives. And speaking of kind of a different variety of perspectives, we have a new radio show that's broadcasting terrestrially and online from Melbourne, Australia. So from down under, and it's called Always Open. I've been kind of checking out some of their stuff lately and you can find them on Instagram at alwaysopenpbs. That's gonna be one word. Don't forget, you can also catch Big Baby Prophet spinning Vaporwave and adjacent subgenre vinyl over on YouTube. I actually tuned into his episode on August 30th and it was pretty cool. There was like a great little community of record fiends and friends discussing the music he was playing, guessing the next record based on the color of the vinyl and the center label design. And there was even like some record collector folks kind of helping each other acquire some hidden gems and holy grails in the chat. Pretty neat. You should definitely go check that out. And it was very cool to see him do vinyl beat matching of Barber Beats records. That was next level. In other news, we have Bandcamp Friday on September 1st, and during the release section, I'm going to do my best to mention as many of the things I can that dropped. And then I'm going to try and focus on like the post-Bandcamp releases for the next early September episode. We did have some big announcements from Death's Dynamic Shroud. They announced three more albums coming before the end of the year, and whew, that's a lot, but it'll be exciting to see what's on them when they drop them on November 10th on 100% Electronica. My Pet Flamingo had some interesting news lately. They had to take down the vinyl from Monodrone's Forbidden Fruit, and they removed a track from the band camp. Unfortunate news, but, you know, that kind of thing is always a possibility with Barber Beats, which are, you know, really heavily plundered songs. And there have been other Barber Beats artists who have mentioned that when they've done releases on Allo City, they've had to take certain tracks off, or they've had to retract physical media because people found out that they had their song used for the beat it's always kind of something to follow in the scene and see what's going on i don't think it's a harbinger of things to come but it's always something to keep track of flamingo fest still has general admission tickets available for their festival in november and i heard a lot of people are actually buying tickets for it while they're at electronicon so the tickets are starting to go don't miss out and last but not least, I want to shout out a video that was released on YouTube about a month ago. It's a documentary about the Barber Beach show that happened in London last winter. And it's a really interesting on-the-ground look by a YouTuber going there and reporting in person, talking to lots of different people. And it's looking at how the genre is perceived, what the genre is about. It gets into some history behind the genre and talks about its biggest proponents. It's called Barber Night Delight featuring Macroblank, a vaporwave documentary, and you can catch it on the YouTube channel called Matsby 
and then it has a backslash. So M-A-T-S-B-Y backslash. I really recommend you watch it. It's pretty long, and I have a lot of respect for people who put that much work into doing some like serious investigation of what's kind of happening in Vaporwave. So I really appreciate it. Shouts out to you, Matsby. Our next section here is going to be upcoming shows. We don't have too much in the URL sphere, but I'm going to mention a couple things here like Duality Fest, which is going to be put on by Pause and Reflect Music. It's happening this winter on December 16th and 17th, and they've been announcing due dates and set submissions, which are live on their social media pages if you're interested in participating or if you've already agreed to participate. Signal Wave Saturdays is happening every Saturday over on Ming Curry's Twitch channel. Go check that out if you like to watch some old VHSs and see some cool visual stuff. Hot Takes is going to be back on Monday, September 11th for an episode with producer, DJ, and photographer Agnos, who recently released an EP on my label, Pacific Plaza. And he was actually documenting, you know, the live scene the past weekend in New York at Electronica and all the surrounding events. And he's someone who's kind of been watching it happen and evolve on the live end of things for the past five years. So it'll be interesting to see what he has to say of the Hot Takes boys. There's also labels and artists announcing listening parties over on Bandcamp, so you can check out the official Bandcamp homepage for live events and streams to see if there's any labels or vapor names you recognize. Go check that out at bandcamp.com slash live. In the IRL sphere, we've wrapped up the summer and the post-econ energy is motivating bookers across the country. So here's what we got coming up this fall. On September 8th, we have Desert Dreams in Phoenix, Arizona at the legendary DIY spot Trunk Space. In Columbus, Ohio, on September 15th, we have the debut of Nostalgia Lounge at Cafe Bourbon Street, put on by Crystal Eternal and Simple Syrup, with special guests Young Shiro and OK Baby. On September 16th in Austin, Texas, we have Body Crews putting on a gig at Outer Heaven Disco Club with their special guest, Mexican vaporwave duo Sentidos Apuestos, along with locals like Mission Indigo, Acapulco 86, and Galaga Futura. Sweat.biz will be back at the Whistle Stop in San Diego on the 17th of September with special guest, Nature's Kid. Crystal Nostalgia will be hosting special guest 3D Blast at High Tide in downtown LA on September 23rd. It's actually the same place where Day 1 of Flamingo Fest will be taking place for all of you who are uh, attending Flamingo Fest. Saturday, September 30th in London, we have Future Sounds 4, which is featuring performances from Desert Sands Feels Warm at Night, Donor Lens, Zero, and Vanitas with his live debut at the Luna Lounge. And as I said, that one's in London. So if you're in Europe or in the UK, definitely try and make it out to that one. I really would love to see what Vanitas is going to do. And then last but not least, we got Orograph, who's going to be starting up a little patchwork tour of the USA to support his upcoming album, New Standard, that's coming out on Dias Records. It's going to begin in late September with some dates in LA, St. Louis, and then in like Texas as it rolls into October. Plus, he's doing some festival appearances, including Flamingo Fest. Getting into October, it looks like Midwest Aesthetic is going to be hosting an event on October 6th called Season of the Glitch with a 10-artist strong lineup at The Crucible in Madison, Wisconsin. It's billed as a spooky costume rave featuring underground electronic music with many names from the big and small events we've been seeing around the USA this year. October 27th, there's going to be a Halloween vapor show in Portland, Oregon, featuring Limerence, formerly known as Patch Notes, Strip Silence, and Darien Shields. It's at a place called Beer, Brats, and Beats that's over on Southeast Stark Street. 
Friday, October 20th, Yoitoki will be having a party in New York City with Vantage as their special guest. And they got a party on Halloween, the 31st, in Los Angeles back at the 1720 Warehouse with special guest Night Patrol. Shouts out Justin. It's going to be awesome watching him play. Yoitoki is also doing a show on Saturday, December 16th in Denver, Colorado. And then I think they announced another one that's December 2nd in Atlanta. They're also announcing plenty of other dates going into the end of the year. So check out their social media to find out more. Coming up later this year, we have Flamingo Fest put on by My Pet Flamingo in Utopia District in Los Angeles at Jules Catch One. It's on November 3rd and 4th, and the full lineup has been announced for both days. As previously announced, there's an article on Future Sounds that goes into detail what's going to be happening that weekend. And there are only one day tickets left, and that's for Saturday at Jules Catch One with all the headliners. So make sure you grab a ticket if you want to see them. Day one is going to be at High Tide DTLA, like I mentioned earlier, and that also has a super stacked lineup and is going to have some merchandise and vendors as well. If you have upcoming events you want featured on the show, please submit them via our link tree. You can find it at linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network. And man, when I finally get like a website and subscription stuff figured out, I'll finally just be able to like say vaporwavenewsnetwork.com slash whatever hopefully in addition to my event submission form though i'm also going to be trying to work with the arcology to keep their events calendar updated and hopefully we'll all be kind of working together in the future on like a consolidated event listing so make sure you also submit your events over on their website as well you can find it at arcology.online slash events so if you're looking for vaporwave and future funk events concerts streams and stuff like that head over to arcology.online slash events. Upcoming and current releases. I'm not going to actually do a review this week. Instead, I'm going to jump straight into some late August releases and Bandcamp Friday stuff. I'm really trying to condense this. I'm kind of getting this episode together at the last minute and actually editing it while I am on my way to Ohio, like I mentioned earlier. So this section is going to be a bit long because of Bandcamp Friday. But bear with me and keep your ears open for new stuff that's been happening in the Vaporwave and Future Funk scene. Null Object has a new EP out on music website called Overmorrow. Songwriter and producer Fake Fever's sophomore album In The Well is now out on My Pet Flamingo. Rob Clem's Future Funk and French House album came out on the Savona label September 1st. It's called Hollowbright, and I'm going to be adding some tracks from it onto my fresh Future Funk playlist. Over on Montaigne, Discoholic put out the Remixaholic's Anonymous Remix Compilation. There's another mouthful for you. It's got a bunch of cool remixes on it. Go check it out, especially if you're a DJ. Sparkly Night released their new Future Funk album Gamer Girl Advanced on August 27th, and they got a couple cool collabs on there, like with Tupperwave. Starberry Station put out a new single, Senpai Bass, on Bandcamp Friday. And Neo Motel put out a cassette by Ahota Beats called Night Memories. There was also a reissue of Dan Mason's Hypnagogia on vinyl over on Business Casual, so if you're a Dan fan, go check that out. Stratford Court and Sly Vinyl also put out the new record by Hotel Pools called Evening, and Sly Vinyl actually has their own exclusive variant, which is pretty dope. They always have cool variants over there on Stratford Court and Sly Vinyl. And then Hotel Pools is also going to be playing Flamingo Fest in LA this November, so that's going to be super cool to see them hopefully play some of those new songs. Celadon Plaza released Exotics by VCR Classique on vinyl for Bandcamp Friday. And it's great to finally see that album make it to vinyl because it actually had two failed curates or crates attempts back in the day that never quite hit their mark. 
And I always thought if there was like a good label that really promoted the VCR classique music on vinyl, especially albums like Atlantic Memories and Exotics, it would actually do well and sell. So big ups on bringing that one to vinyl. Mobile Suits also released a vinyl record for the dream punk artist Foxer. Limousine also had a new Mallsoft album, fittingly titled Sky Mall, that came out on vinyl via My Pet Flamingo. Barber Beats producer Modest by Default, who I mentioned earlier, put out a new album at the end of August called Kissimet. Qingdao Market and Motherboard put out the fourth edition of Weissau Wave, so that's like Tommy Weissau Wave music. And this one's a Barber Beats album on vinyl, and it's available for pre-order right now on the Motherboard website relative newcomer to Barber Beats, Esotericism, released an album called Avast on their Bandcamp that I'd recommend you go check out. And producer Magic released a new mixtape that they put up on Bandcamp August 27th. Memory Occulta put out an album called Lost Blank Page on August 24th. And I actually missed this earlier in the month, but OG Wave Barber Beats producer Oblique Occasions released an album that translates to Dangerous Heartache back on August 4th. Slushwave artist, whose name translates to Dream Channel, released a MIDI-influenced album of bright Slushwave tracks called Love Again Today over on their Bandcamp. The title Charm has released an album of Wii and VGM-influenced lullabies by Daniel Borkin called Explorations. On the net label front, Bogus Collective released a bunch of new albums from artists like Slimlord, DJ Chop and Screw, Ghost Memory, and R850, who also had a release on Sunset Grid, who put out an album by Flower Pill, as well as a compilation called Zero Seven, which celebrated seven years of the label's existence. Really recommend you go check out Zero Seven. You're going to get a wide variety of different types of vapor when you listen to a really cool, really lengthy compilation like that. Congrats, Blue Screen and Acid Rar for keeping it going for so long. If you're looking for some lo-fi, churning, sampled vapor, Vito over at DMT Tapes FL has been continuing to release tons of albums, and they all have his signature AI-generated album art. Halcyon Tapes released the album Industrialized Magic by Akko on cassette and VHS. No Problema Tapes had a box set for Barber Beats producer Dark Desire that came out on Bandcamp Friday. Global Pattern's most recent bundle is a VHS bundle that had three sets from Slushwave 2023. It was that live stream that happened earlier in the month. And the three that they released were from Kestrina, Days of Blue, and Your Discovery. And I actually picked this up. I thought it was super cool that they did a VHS bundle. It was a really reasonable price for three VHSs being shipped from Europe. The Expanding Earth released two albums, one by Blurred Hologram and the other one by Haunted Ghosts for Bandcamp Friday. Pause and Reflect Music released Erratum by Doctorb on August 31st and put up some sampler CDs they had left over from the tape swap on their Bandcamp. Geometric Lullaby dropped two big vinyl records for the long-form fans, Desert Memories features Desert Sands Feel Warm at Night and Mindspring Memories doing a collab. And then there was also Praxis by PJS. Underwater Computing put out three different releases from producers Amanita, Philolet, and a split album between Notorious Secret and Carte Blanche. Returning back to Business Casual, their September lineup consists of four releases. The first one is O Rubino on September 8th, Monty Hills with a release on September 16th, Bite Handle with a release on September 22nd, and reissues of the two albums by Sierra Online, September 29th. John Zabelli, founder of Business Casual, put out a new release under his project Father 2006, 
It was a new single and a video for the track Black Box that dropped on Bandcamp Friday. And last but not least, Luxury Elite's latest album, Fashion Pop, came out on my label Pacific Plaza Records, and it sold out quite fast, uh, faster than we expected. But fear not, if you missed out, we are going to be doing a second edition, and those details are going to be coming in the next week or two. We already got the order in, picked colors, and got things all together, and I'm so excited that we're going to keep this imprint and get it out to those people that missed out. So no worries if you missed it. If you have any upcoming releases to send to us for coverage, please go to our link tree and you can use the upcoming release submission form. So that's linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network. For the main topic today, I'm going to talk about my Vaporwave weekend in New York City. And it was an epic weekend, potentially the last weekend, of the Electronicon Music Festival put on by 100% Electronica. There's been tons of drama, rumor, and speculation around the festival, but ultimately, with like everyone together in person, the vibes have never been higher, and optimism for the future of the scene is still thriving. Even if it's the end of Electronicon as a Vaporwave-focused festival, or a pivot to something different, the inspiration for the community to have gatherings and live music events will continue unabated. It was so exciting to get to go to so many different events in just four days and see so many different performances. It's a lot to cover, and I'm gonna try and scoot through it as fast as possible. This is my second try, actually, because I realized I was getting a little too lengthy. So I'm gonna try and be a little more succinct here and stick to what was happening with all the Vaporwave events. So I arrived Wednesday morning, and Wednesday evening, there was a nice gathering with a bunch of people. I talked a little bit about it on the Future Sounds podcast, and you can hear about it on the Utopia District podcast as well. We ended up at a bar called Our Wicked Lady. Had a good time. We kept the bar open just because there were so many of us. It was really cool. On Thursday, we had Summer Slushy Fest, And I made my way over there for load-in, which was around 5 o'clock. And the first person I actually encountered sitting outside the venue was the man from Down Under himself, Daydream Deluxe. And it was so exciting to, like, get to finally meet him in person. I was so hyped. I ran up to him, gave him a hug. It was so great to have him be the first person I kind of encountered that day. And we actually ended up having a bunch of adventures together later in the weekend. So big shouts out, Daydream Deluxe. It was so cool meeting you and hanging out. We made our way inside to the venue. We saw Pad, Dennis, and tons of other people setting up and getting ready for the day. 
And I was so excited to see all the different people that were showing up and kind of do my part to help out. Uh, As I mentioned on some of the other podcast episodes, I kind of volunteered myself to stage manage and kind of help keep everything on track. You know, you kind of need that extra person, extra set of hands that has the experience and knowledge to kind of troubleshoot and tell people, hey, you got five minutes left in your set. Oh, you need me to help you with something or you need to get something like, let's do this. Helping artists get from one side of the venue to the other, kind of give them that pep talk to get going. It was really a special day and I really enjoyed so many of the sets, even though I was kind of working a lot of the time. It was pretty cool to be up close and personal and kind of watch what people were doing and how they were performing, you know. There was some really unique things like the guys from Donor Lens were using the CDJs, but also they were both singing, covering vocal parts from various songs of theirs. And they also had like a synth and some drum machine stuff going on. Uh, We had Global Chill playing with the SP404, but we also had Fake Fever doing cool stuff with the guitar, synthesizer and things like that. And it was such an interesting variety of performances with some of the most unexpected performances being on pretty minimal amounts of gear or just using the CDJs. So for instance, Days of Blue, I think they played their whole set on the CDJs. It was a actually a very magical experience. The visuals from Videodrome were so perfect for that set and I really enjoyed it. I was really looking forward to it. And I know a lot of people really stuck it out that night to stay all the way to the end and see them. So shouts out to everyone who stayed all the way to the end for that set. We also had some people who were playing their first set ever, like Obelisk. He was having a little bit of technical issues in the beginning, and I could tell he was getting really nervous. I had to kind of walk him over to the stage and get him prepped and ready for the set. And as the tech problems kept kind of going on and on, it was getting a little stressful. But Pat and Dennis stepped in, gave him that pep talk. All the tech problems got fixed, and he had an awesome set. It was super dope to see someone play their first set like that and do such a great job. So shouts out to Obelisk. There was also some really cool things happening over on the outdoor stage. Like I mentioned, Mike from Video Punks was doing a really wild interactive performance where he had a wireless uh, controller or he had a wireless like drum machine that he was playing and it was super cool. There was also Dolphin Uppercut who was playing the uh, guitar, doing some crazy synth stuff as well. And then actually Desert Sands Feels Warm at Night was using the guitar and playing up on that stage along with having backing tracks and really amazing visuals. Big shouts out to everybody who showed up to Slushy Fest, everyone who was involved in making it happen. It was also really great talking to some of the people doing merch, like going over and talking to the two people behind the Geometric Lullaby tape. Shouts out to both of you guys. And I got to have some great conversations with people like Chris from Music Website, Luis, who's a homie down in uh, San Diego that we see at our Sweat.biz nights. It was super cool getting to hang out with everybody, and I'm really glad I decided to kind of put myself out there to get involved and see the kind of inner workings and be there right at the edge of the stage and kind of take in everything that was happening. It was a really awesome experience to see a bunch of people perform in different ways and kind of approach different subgenres of Vaporwave for the live format. Getting into the first day of Electronicon here, I stayed up really late the first two nights in a row, so I had to sleep in, and luckily, day one of Electronicon didn't start until 5pm, so we got to sleep in nice and late. But by the time we made our way to the venue gates, 
it was actually pretty easy to get in. Security was pretty mellow the first day and there wasn't any huge lines or anything. NRail started the day off and it was super cool to see him go super hard up there and play some songs that I definitely recognize from seeing a bunch of his shows and from listening to his albums and some of the stuff that's on uh, his album that hasn't been released yet, but he was selling some, uh, some of it at the show, the World Tour album. He also had some great merch. Maybe some of that will go back up online later. I think he was saying he'll repress it, so you should definitely check that out if you can. I really enjoyed day one. It was such a cool, small community vibe. Like the crowd wasn't small. By the end of the night, you could see from the pictures and videos that it filled up, but it wasn't super dense. So you can kind of dance, move around, walk through the crowd and see different friends and catch up with people. You could kind of get away to the little edges of the venue. And it was all outdoors with just the perfect weather, no rain, and just the ultimate vibe of like, being at that community event that you kind of hope to get on day one and it really was like more vaporwave and kind of chill wave focused which i appreciated musically but i also think it brought out people who were just like really stoked to see every single person performing and just had such like a positive and excited attitude and just a great vibe and the venue setup was pretty cool for the outdoors being the only thing we had there was actually two bathrooms on either side of the stage so tons of bathrooms that were almost like easier than the day two bathrooms and they still had that balcony open where you can see some of those great views from the vaporatorian youtube videos so day one total success the St. Pepsi set was so cool. He played some really old school tracks he's never done live before and a luxury elite cover. Busted out the guitar as expected and did the and did his thing for Fiona Coin. I love that song. I sent a little video to my girlfriend. And afterwards, since it was only 10 o'clock when it ended, everyone was able to kind of go out, get food, and to prepare for the rest of the night. So me and some of the San Diego friends decided to go get some food and Daydream Deluxe came along with us. So we decided to go to a diner and kind of have that classic post-show meal together with uh, Daydream Deluxe being our guest of honor. And it was really a wonderful time. We went to the Kellogg Diner and uh, had some awesome breakfast food. Although Daydream Deluxe ordered salmon. I don't know about that one, bro. But I got an omelet and that was perfect. And it gave me the energy to get through Afterwave that night. We went to Afterwave. And they had a bunch of visual stuff there from Virtua 94 and Bass House, which was super dope. And the space itself was kind of in like a multi-room kind of creative space, practice space area. So they had two rooms with one room being visuals and lights and kind of chilling out. And then the other room was kind of like the dark dance floor where they had pretty heavy pump and dance music going on the whole time. It wasn't too busy on the dance floor, but there were a lot of people going in and out and mingling. And me and Agalato actually stayed pretty late, definitely not till 8 a.m. like the event was advertised, but most of the Vaporwave people kind of filtered out by 2 a.m. anyway. We wanted to stay till 4 a.m. because we had heard that there was going to be a whole different crowd that would be showing up, which makes sense. It's the, the post-bar crowd because bars close around 4 a.m. in New York if they're staying open late. So we hung around and yeah, a whole different crowd rolled in. The party vibe kept going and got really uh like more intense really and people were going much harder continuing to drink and doing all sorts of stuff but for us we were pretty exhausted so we made our way back to the airbnb and rested up for day two of electronicon 
So day two started a little bit earlier in the day and we made our way up to the knockdown center after getting some classic bacon, egg and cheese on a bagel. Mm. Perfect way to get that day started. Made our way in. Security was a little bit more intense this time around, but still a pretty chill experience. I mean, definitely not like it was last year. So shouts out Knockdown Center for doing better. <laughs> Once we made our way in, it was an interesting setup. You know, we had the big main hall and then the outdoor stage. And one of the bathrooms out by the outdoor stage was actually closed down that kind of dungeon area that was really cool and like a nice mellow place to chill. That was unfortunately closed the whole time. So you had to use the upstairs bathrooms or you could get down into the bathrooms for most of the day at the outdoor stage. Personally, I really wanted to get there in time to see Giant Claw and luckily we did. The Giant Claw set was super amazing. The way the sunlight was kind of shining down on Keith at moments was just really fantastic. And afterwards I got to talk to him a little bit about how he uses that Octopad uh, drum controller to do his live performances, which are just so mind blowing. Like really hope he keeps performing. It's really interesting and inspirational to see the way he does it. Later in the day, we had Data Girl. It was so cool to get to see her do her debut performance at Electronicon, going all the way from tape swap to, to the big stage. Really awesome to hear her new songs and to hear the collab she has coming up with Donor Lens. That was a super awesome like drum and bass vapor pop song, like really vapor pop, super dope. Earlier in the day, we also had FM Skyline and Equip were playing together, and they were kind of hinting at a collab album coming in the future. And if it's anything like what they were doing at Electronicon, it's going to be exciting and high energy with, you know, Equip kind of doing more of the DJ prom night vibe and FM Skyline doing that synth shred, just absolute shred. Those boys both had so much energy. They were like almost like roid raging around the stage. It was kind of funny at moments, but they went very, very hard. It was very dope. Later in the day, we had the Enigmatic set coming from James Ferraro, and no one really knew what he was going to do. And as I've been saying, I was really curious to see what was going to happen. I kind of went into it with zero expectations. Didn't really think he was going to do something like play songs off Farsight Virtual or something. And we definitely did not get something like that. It was a completely unique experience. And it's kind of hard for me to put into succinct words what it was like, and I'm not going to because I'm going to try and write a review for Future Sounds for their blog and write out a big thing. I've also talked to some other people who were at that set and gotten their thoughts. So that review of the James Ferraro set will be incoming. It was a really interesting experience, and I'm really excited to kind of try and put it into words and explain what was going on. After that, we had Death's Dynamic Shroud performing, and they always put on an amazing show. They mentioned they were playing the song Butterflies for the last time, which really bummed me out. And while it was a really great set, for me, there was like a little bit missing because my girlfriend wasn't there. And last year, when we watched their set together, it was like such a magical moment. And I really wished she had been there. That would have been nice. And I probably would have been more excited for the set. There was also like a lot of people being rude in the crowd, which was kind of like annoying, like pushing through and like not being courteous, which is like something that was happening all day. People were being courteous all day moving through the crowd. But yeah, you know, a lot of excited young Zoomers for the Death Dynamic Shroud set. 
After DDS, we had one of the most anticipated sets of the whole festival, which was 18 Carat Affair. And wow, did that set really live up to, I think, everyone's expectations. But also, it really lived up to his kind of place in proto-vaporwave history. He used a lot of the signifiers from the genre, the way the set was structured with so many songs being played because he had such a long set with so many short songs. There was all these quick cuts. The visuals matched up perfectly. I think the visuals are really what got people into that set super deep because there was all these cool TV clips and the static and TV channel changes were perfectly in time with the way the music was curated and the way he presented himself was just so mysterious, so romantic, and it was an ultimate vibe. Little bits of uh, homage to Morrissey and other really cool like retro stuff that you would totally expect from 18 Carat Affair who you know popped open his briefcase and set the whole stage with a magical vibe that I think was undeniable for everybody in attendance. I didn't really check out too much that was happening on the outdoor stage as the day went on. You could hear there was some pretty like crazy and intense stuff going on at moments. A lot of people were shouting out the LDP set. And I did catch a little bit of the negative Gemini set. She had two horn players with her and she was playing some guitar. So that was super dope. I really appreciated kind of that disco throwback vibe, but also had a very like futuristic thing going on too during her set. So big shouts out negative Gemini and big shouts out to those horn players holding it down. Back inside, we had the George Clanton set, another highly anticipated set, but something that I think everyone knew was going to really go off. He played a bunch of stuff from the new album, which did really well, and he was encouraging people to crowd surf and really go off the entire time. It was really fun, and I couldn't help myself. I had to run up into the pit at one point and then started jumping up, got some people to put me up, and I did my second crowd surf of the festival during the George Clanton set. It was super exciting. After George Clanton set, I kind of headed out because the DOS set was just a DJ set. I know a lot of people were excited to see DOS, but I think they were more excited to see her perform versus DJ. So for me, it was the right call to kind of head out at that time and go to some after party action. And I didn't go to Afterwave, but I did head out to the music website party. And that was down at Mood Ring. And there was a deep lineup of DJs on it, although I didn't really end up watching the DJs as much as I thought I was going to. Plus that back room where the DJs were was just super packed with people pretty much the entire night. So it was a very busy evening at the bar. Lots of people around, lots of great conversations to be had. Got to hang out and talk to uh, Chris Paz about Chicago, which was super dope. Shouts out, Chris. Got to talk to the other Chris from Music Website about stuff. It was super awesome talking to him and hearing about the label and kind of what he's doing with it. And I got to talk to JPEG Stripes for a while. Super awesome to talk to Jordan after seeing them play so many different sets. And I really hope they can get out and tour and perform some of these different projects in front of people because they have different ways they're approaching all of them. And they're all really cool and interesting. So shouts out to Jordan. But after a long night and so much music... It did finally have to head back, get some sleep, and get ready for tape swap. Because, unfortunately, I was a bit of a lazy boy, and I did not go pick up my merch from the person I sent it to, No Genki, shouts out No Genki, until the morning of tape swap. So, I set my alarm an hour earlier, Ubered my way on down to Park Slope, and luckily No Genki had my back, had my box ready, and I immediately zipped on up to tape swap 
Got there a little late, but just in time to get a good spot, set up my merch, and man, that whole day became like a whirlwind. I don't know if I really got time to like talk to people or have a lot of conversations, but people were buying tons of stuff from us. I really appreciate that. I got rid of quite a bit of merch, which was nice because it meant less for me to mail back. But it was also really cool to see people get excited about releases that I wouldn't necessarily expect. And I really enjoyed recommending stuff to different people. And I appreciate all the compliments about uh, the shirts. Uh, I wish I had had all the sizes people wanted. But I'm kind of just trying to sell through the rest of the stock. So thank you if you bought one. And thank you if you bought anything for Pacific Plaza. I also got to DJ down in the basement with my buddy Aglado. And big shouts out to Aglado for saving our set. I totally should have practiced more and practiced on his setup that we were using because I did not realize that I was not going to be able to do some things that I wanted to do. And I totally messed up one of the songs in my set. A bunch of people were like, oh, no one noticed. But I mean, it was pretty obvious. So I handed it back to Aglado during our back-to-back brought the vibes back did this beautiful little mashup into fun tonight and then let me take the final song to close it out so thank you to everyone that also watched our set and shouts out to a hero and van gogh i was really excited to see what those boys did with the time they had up on that stage and they really did it big and played a really cool set together and even played some simple syrup songs despite him not being able to be there so shouts out to vaporwave zero and shouts out to cyber surfer 3d i really wanted to catch your set bro and i heard it was super dope so hopefully sometime this fall I'll be able to see you perform again big shouts out of course to everyone in the utopia district crew all those people that were volunteering whether it was taking tickets at the door giving out prizes walking around and making sure the sound and everything was working out big shouts out to the utopia district crew indie advent cerulea Oh man, so many other people, Pernoco, Demo Dog, and anyone whose name I'm forgetting from that crew. Also, big shouts out to Vapor Space STL and Chief Alif for helping us all organize it together and allowing me to work with you guys on such a cool event. Last but not least, after the tape swap, we had the Utopia District group dinner and picture. While me and Aglado had to return to our Airbnb to drop off merch and stuff, you know dj controllers computers a group of nearly 40 people met up a restaurant north of the venue out towards the williamsburg waterfront and as me and aglotto actually rolled back up to that restaurant around 8:40, the mass of vapor wavers was beginning to make their pilgrimage to the east river for a final send-off under the twinkling lights of manhattan with a beautiful view of the williamsburg bridge lower manhattan and iconic buildings like the empire state building in the background the mob of Vaporwavers strolled down to the waterfront with a boombox playing the classics from Cat, Corp, and more, till we finally arrived at our first destination. Hearing about a better pier down the street from that first destination where we got a couple pictures, we made our way to what was basically like kind of my final spot for the weekend to really take in the vibe and be with people from the community. More pictures were taken, emotions were shared, and I managed to grab a few stingers, IDs, and some quick interviews with folks who were along for the journey, uh, and hopefully those will make it onto the podcast in the future. It was a beautiful and fitting end to the evening with a little bit of shenanigans like Vapor climbing the public art on the pier and some pretty dank smokes that put me in the perfect mood to take in everything that had happened over the course of the weekend, possibly the final Electronicon weekend, but certainly not the last time I'm going to see many of our friends from the Vaporwave scene 
and possibly you again. After the meetup, me and Aglado got pizza, made our way back to the Airbnb one more time. <laughs> I actually ate three slices of pizza, which required me to stand in line twice, but it was definitely worth it. And after mailing back the rest of my merch the next morning, I hoofed it on down to JFK and made my way back to Southern California. So thanks to everyone who mentioned the podcast to me. I really appreciate hearing the compliments and stories about folks listening to it and discovering new music or finding out about releases, history, or events through the podcast. Big shouts out to the folks at Future Sounds, Leftist Legume, Ronnie from Vapor Space, and the folks from Music Website for giving me some very helpful advice and give me some real advice, you know, not just gassing me up. I really appreciate all the gassing up though, not gonna lie. And I hope everyone who got a button or a badge as some people call it, I hope you appreciated it. There was only 30 out there right now and maybe some point in the future, I'll put them up for sale with like a sticker design. But if you do want a button for me and you didn't get one, email me or message me and we'll see what I can do. I don't know. Anyhow, wrapping it up, I feel that I can say with confidence that we're going to see more festivals curated by different groups of people popping up within the next year or two. And I look forward to seeing the continued growth of the vaporwave scene in its adjacent communities, especially in the live music sphere. It was really an epic weekend. And I thank all of you who got to be a part of it. Okay, this week in Vaporwave history, I was almost not going to do this segment to try and condense the episode and like get this done, but I had to. And I actually found something that fits in quite nicely that I already had some notes drawn up for. And this one's going to be on August 24th, 2010. Games, aka Ford and Lapotten, are profiled by Pitchfork as rising artists by writer Larry Fitzmorris. The piece starts with an intro that nicely sums up the group and its strong connection to visual aesthetics, a continuing theme in Vaporwave to this day, and it touches on the slowed-down R&B of their Spend the Night With mixtape, where Joel Ford says, We just think music should be slower. It's got a great interview that really elucidates the ideas and influences behind the project, and it shows the early echoes of Vaporwave sounds and aesthetics that would later be twisted, slowed, chopped and screwed, as well as expounded upon in the years to come. One of the quotes I found interesting related to the time frame that they were doing these projects is they said, quote, we did a week of demos during the summer of 2009 at Joel's parents' house in Massachusetts. This is basically when we discovered our sound and approach, unquote. And interestingly, this is around the time that OPN, Daniel Lapotten, would have actually uploaded those first Sunset Court music videos that same summer of 2009. I actually wonder, is it possible that he was in Massachusetts when he uploaded those? Who knows? The interview part of this, though, is pretty straightforward. At first, kind of asking about influences, and I think it's important to list all of them here. So I'm just going to quote exactly what the guys said. And they said, DJ Paul, DJ Screw, Aphex Twin, DJ Premier, Mid Funk, Italo Disco, The Weather Channel, Weather Report, Return to Forever, Boards of Canada, James Ferraro, Gangstar's Moment of Truth, and Miles Davis's On the Corner are huge records for us. DJ Premier and Teo Macero are two of our favorite producers. Their cuts and edits always recontextualize performances and samples in the most psychedelic way. Now, obviously, I could go into detail and mention why I think some of these touch points are relevant to Vaporwave, but I'll leave all those different musical things for you to explore on your own. 
In terms of visuals, the duo cites Megazord, John Rathman, Rasmus Emanuel Svensson, Tabor Roback, and Michael Willis. But they also said, quote, we like shithoused Windows PC art and melted boomboxes and snowmobiles and corporate campus photos, unquote. And I'd also be remiss if I didn't point out that Megazord is the person who did the artwork for Echo Jams. Again, this list is also a litany of reference points, not simply just Roman columns, busts, and checkered patterns. So I recommend you go look into all of these visual artists as well. I will say, it's funny that Larry Fitzmorris mentions what their MySpace page looks like in the opening paragraph. Truly a relic of the time. But he rhapsodizes about the duo, as he had done a few times before on Pitchfork, and just jumps into the interview. Another line from the interview that resonated with me as a part of what sort of kind of defines early vaporwave and gives it a starting point is this quote about how games relates to pop music. Quote, it's not pop music itself. It's sort of like the behind the scenes arteries and capillaries of pop music. Unquote. This interview and the Rising Artist feature is still up on Pitchfork and is well worth a read for any fan of Vaporwave, Ford and Lapotten, and One Otrix Point Never. I hope everyone has enjoyed this week's episode of Vaporwave News Network. As always, you can find some of the stuff I mentioned in the episode notes. We have a Twitter and Instagram profile where we post highlight graphics with releases mentioned in the episode, so make sure you give us a follow and repost the content. And please repost it. Reposting the graphics and video clips, it really helps spread the word to other people in the scene, and it helps me in the algorithm. You can also find us on social media at VW News Network. And I've also started a TikTok where I'm posting some of the content from our episodes, and I might start doing some original stuff on that platform too. I don't know. Who knows? You can check that out again at VW News Network. If you would like to submit something to the show, check out our link tree with all the links and submission forms at linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network. If you want to get in contact with us, you can also do it through our email, which is vaporwavenewsnetwork at gmail.com. This podcast is sponsored by Pacific Plaza, but if you're a reputable label looking to advertise or sponsor the show, please get in contact with me. I've been your host, Alex, aka Trucks Passing Trucks. If you want to find me or my label on social media, you can look up Pacific Plaza Rec. That's Pacific Plaza R-E-C on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. I also have an Instagram page for my music and DJing stuff over at Trucks Passing Trucks, all one word. I'm playing on September 17th at the Whistle Stop in San Diego for Sweat.biz with Nature's Kid Naglato. And then I'm going to be at Art Bar on September 22nd for Analog LA, playing some Barber Beats. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you tune in to future episodes of the Vaporwave News Network. From our part of the Vapor World, this is Alex, signing off until next time. Vaporwave News Network. Summer never ends in Pacific Plaza. Plaza.